Welcome to Nurse Narrative, the Auburn University School of Nursing podcast, where we invite you to join our story. In this episode, our hosts interview Dr. Linda Gibson-Young, a family nurse practitioner and national asthma educator. Welcome back to Nurse Narrative. I'm Kelly Strickland, your host, and I am joined by Miss Megan Jones, my co-host. How are you today, Megan? I am doing well. How are you, Kelly? I'm okay. I'm um, Again, to the listener, we are practicing social distancing. So this is a recorded session via Zoom. But I am so excited because today we get to speak with Dr. Linda Gibson-Young, who is one of our faculty members. So Megan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about her, if you don't mind? I would love to. Dr. Linda Gibson-Young has a PhD in nursing and is certified as a family nurse practitioner and national asthma educator. Her research interest focuses on home interventions for children with asthma and allergies. She is fabulous, and I'm sure that the listeners will have a great time um, hearing from her. We're going to talk a little bit today about COVID-19, but also we're going to focus a good bit on asthma because May is um, Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month, so we want to highlight that a little bit. Um, And then also just the differences between COVID-19 and asthma symptoms. So I think it'll be a great, it was a great interview and I'm sure that the the listeners will love it. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. Hey, Linda, how are you? I am great today. How are you? We're doing well. We are so excited that you are on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. I'm really glad to be here. Yes, of course. Um, So we have a couple of questions for you, and we just think that you are the perfect person to answer all of these. Um, So the first one, you have such extensive knowledge on allergies and asthma. I mean, I've watched you multiple times in so many different situations, giving that wisdom out to people and, and teaching with grace. And I appreciate that so much. Both allergies and asthma Um, both of those disease processes are kind of flaring up um, for different reasons. Can you help us and our listeners understand the difference between the signs and symptoms of those disease processes and then the presentation of of COVID-19? Sure. I have been working with asthma for a while and particularly with children with asthma. And across the world, we see a large percentage of the population living with asthma, and that's 235 million people in the world. Whereas across the United States, we're seeing around 26 million people, and of those, about 7 million are children. So if I just had to tell you a number, about 1 in 12 people are living with asthma. And when we look at asthma, we look at three main symptoms, and those symptoms are swelling inside the lungs because of inflammation or inflammatory processes. We also see extra mucus production with asthma, and the muscles or the bronchioles, um, the system will start tightening and make it very hard to breathe. Many people with asthma have allergies, and so we see about 70 to 80 percent of people living with asthma also affected by allergies. And then there's a separate population that are affected by seasonal allergies or allergies because of certain things that we'll call triggers. So whether they have asthma or not, allergies lead to sneezing, 
runny nose, itchy, watery eyes. Sometimes those eyes get bloodshot in color. And that peaks at a certain number of times a year if one of their triggers are caused by trees or flowers or grasses or even pollen. So around the springtime, we see a peak and we'll also see a peak around the fall. Other things can lead to allergies, but for the most part, for conversation today, I wanted to address the seasonality or the season allergies that we see. And then we have COVID-19. So there's a big difference with COVID-19 because there's three main symptoms that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has listed for us. And those include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. So as we went back to allergy and asthma, we don't see a fever. We might see a cough with uncontrolled asthma. And we might see just sneezing with allergies, but that cough is a little bit different. It's more of a dry cough with COVID-19. But that shortness of breath is the big concern that we have with COVID-19. And we want to be able to differentiate that uh, for the listeners today. That is really, really helpful, I think, um, for a lot of different reasons. So what would be your advice for someone with asthma or serious allergies during this pandemic and how can they protect themselves from further respiratory illness? Well, whether it's children or adults with asthma, they are vulnerable. So they are vulnerable to COVID-19 because this is a um, process that affects the lungs and it affects the respiratory tract. And that is the nose, that's the throat, that's the lungs. And right now with COVID-19, there's no specific treatment or vaccination to prevent COVID-19. So the best way to do um, or to avoid is going to be to avoid that sickness. So how do you do that? Well, you want to maintain that space that you've been told about. Make sure we wash our hands. And when I say wash hands, we want to make sure that we're getting soap suds built up on our hands and we're washing for at least 20 seconds. But now CDC is really, or Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are really recommending 40 seconds of washing good, vigorous hand rubs, hand washing, um, or using alcohol-based hand sanitizer. We also encourage people living with asthma and significant allergies to avoid the crowds and avoid travel during this time so they can reduce that exposure. And we've got to pay attention. So if you have seasonal allergies or allergies or asthma, we want you to pay attention to your body, really listen to your body. Look for those signs and symptoms that you're having where we mentioned earlier, like the runny nose with allergies. And This is not a time when pollen is so high to be outside gardening or mowing the grass. If that has to be done, then come inside and really shower off so those allergies don't go haywire or really cause a lot of complications. But for those people that have asthma and are living with asthma, it is a chronic condition. And when they're living with asthma, we encourage them to stay away from others and really look for sickness, avoid people that are sick, and minimize those potential triggers. And while I'm on triggers, just a couple more points. Let me mention, if you have allergies or asthma that's affected by allergies, 
we want to minimize those triggers. And what that means is minimize the dust that you're around within the house. And if you are going to be around a lot of dust, such as cleaning or sweeping, try to avoid breathing that dust in or getting it on your hands. Let's wash our hands real good before we touch our face. We also want to keep your house clean of pet dander. And what that means is try to avoid pets on any beds or couches or things that you're going to spend a significant time on or in. And this is not the time to have the windows open because that pollen can really blow right in and trees in many locations are are blooming and thriving and that can lead to some complications uh, with your allergies or asthma. That's that's really helpful as well. Um, I can just, I'm just going to say, you know, I spend a good bit of time with you on our um, just doing different things um, in our community <clears throat> that are centered around kids. And um, you just continue to impress me with your ability to explain things at a very understandable level in a way that everybody can understand. And I appreciate that so much about you. So um, let's stray just a little bit from COVID-19 because May is Asthma Month. Yeah. And um, you are the chair of the Alabama Asthma Coalition. So can you tell us a little bit about who you guys are, what you do, and then your efforts at the community, state, national, and global level? Definitely. So yes, it is Asthma Awareness Month. And sometimes it's listed as Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. And it really started back in 1984 from the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. And we're so thankful that they've dedicated this month and a number of our um, providers and people that provide resources to asthma and allergies really jump on board with Asthma Awareness Month to just help us um, make people aware and just gather the information and be able to share it with the community or the state, national, as well as global efforts. And I'll tell you, May 5th this World Asthma Day. And that is, uh, you know, where we have major countries, just countries on board with one day focused on world asthma and identifying the um, impact that has been made, as well as where we need to continue to head in the future. So, if you want to wear a color, the color is gray. And we also take on food allergies as a, as a big um, need because we've recognized over the years in, uh, across the uh, U.S. and beyond that food plays a big part in our allergies and how we're um, impacted. And that color is teal, just to let you know. But with the Alabama Asthma Coalition, it's a grassroots local um, state effort that has around 55 to 60 different groups that are involved, and those might be healthcare settings, they might be primary care practices or um, allergy offices or allergy specialists. We have various disciplines involved. We have the lay community involved. So we come together, whether it's virtually or face-to-face. We try to at least meet face-to-face once a year when possible. And Zoom or those uh, online platforms helps us to communicate in between. But what we do is we share resources. We share best practices of what's working in the healthcare system or what's working in a school 
to manage asthma within a specific school setting. And it could be what's working in a family. So we try to share the resources, but we focus on three areas. We focus on education, we focus on healthcare, and we focus on advocacy. And by focusing on those three areas, we're able to stay structured and people can participate where they see um, that best fit. But the Alabama Asthma Coalition was funded by the Centers for Disease and Prevention with collaboration through the Alabama Department of Public Health for years. And now we're more of a voluntary-based run organization where we focus on a coordinated approach. And we would love to have any partnership, whether it's within the state or even beyond. And a lot of times we'll bring in what's working in other states to hear about in the Alabama Asthma Coalition. And on a national level, the Environmental Protection Agency is key in helping the Alabama Asthma Coalition manage asthma in schools, as well as air quality within the home. This is a collaborative approach that we use within the state of Alabama. So it's exciting times for us. Um, And then there's also global efforts that are in place. So GINA is the global initiative for asthma. And every year they give us an update with new information and best practice. And we partner with multiple different countries to ensure that we are um, meeting the standards that have been set for asthma management. And so by doing this, this enables us to continuously make progress towards better asthma management. And I just want to highlight how important it is to have the lay community on board and people living with asthma because they understand what it's like on a day-to-day basis in living with asthma. Yeah, it's, I think it's so important, especially when we have any type of organization that represents a certain disease process to have individuals that are living with that disease process on the front lines, making sure that they are really, they have a voice. And so um, I love that you guys, that you guys kind of make sure that that's one of your, one of your goals. Um, And I also love that three-pronged approach of education, healthcare, and advocacy. I mean, it sounds like you're really coming from, from all areas. And when those three things combine, you have such a strong base for everything that you do, really. Yes, agree. Thanks. So, yeah. Thanks for telling us about that. Well, um, we need to definitely put a link to that organization in the show notes so that if you're interested, then you can look look at what they're doing on a, a more detailed basis. So thanks for telling us about that. Um, and then I also wanted to talk to you just briefly. You and another one of our colleagues um, started something called Asthma Camp for our local community, our area here um, in And unfortunately, this year, because of the pandemic, we are unable to have that camp. Um, But what are your plans for it in the future? Let's just highlight it for a second and and talk about that. Definitely. This is so exciting for us to be able to have an asthma camp focused on helping children and families manage their asthma and really understand what the process or of living with asthma is like. So what is asthma control or what is an asthma inhaler used for and when should it be used? And 
what to do when you think it's running out, just things that we can educate family. But, you know, this is fun, adventure, allows more independence because we focus on children seven to 12 years of age as they are starting to transition into taking responsibility for their asthma. So in 2018, we started Asthma Camp Eagle. And Asthma Camp Eagle is a day camp for children living in the rural setting. And our goal is to shift or transition that into a residential camp where we can stay throughout the week. So it's a team. And I will say we have an amazing team. So we have nurses, we have respiratory therapists, we have physicians, social workers, nurse practitioners. We bring students of all disciplines. We have child life specialists, healthcare administrators, nutritionists. I can go on and on with the people that participate in Asthma Camp Eagle. But our goal with this camp is to really encourage the children ages 7 to 12 living with asthma, and we educate their families as well about taking care of that asthma. And it's it's going to be a lifetime of just managing and looking at asthma control. And I just want to highlight, when I say asthma control, Anybody living with asthma needs an asthma action plan, and that's children and adults. So you work with the healthcare providers to make sure they have a clear asthma action plan. And what that means is on a daily basis, this is what I need to do. Well, when I start having symptoms, what do I need to do? It's a little bit different. When I really have trouble breathing or shortness of breath, what do I do? So that asthma action plan can take them step by step into understanding that day-to-day living with asthma. Well, if we see certain people or individuals falling off that asthma action plan or having to use an inhaler too much or waking up at night more than twice a month, then we say that person is out of control. So we teach these children to understand what asthma control is so they get a better understanding of managing their asthma. And they can own it because it's their asthma. They're living with it and they can really take part in that day-to-day management. So we're very excited about Asthma Camp Eagle. We know that we have some limitations with this year's camp and the experience that we can provide. We do hope to meet with all families and campers who were planning to be there in 2020 this fall for maybe a one-day all event where we can educate the family and the children together. But then we'll pick right back up 2021 and we'll be ready to go. And we could not do this without partnership through our donors and the families that support us, the resources that are given to us um, in, in partnership with different collaborators and um, foundations across Alabama and beyond. So I really enjoy Asthma Camp Eagle. There are other um, asthma camps that we partner with, so we try to make sure if we cannot um, have the children in our camp or they don't meet that age group that we make sure to uh, send uh, the children to those other camps that they can participate in. But this is a fun, fun time for kids, and it's all about adventure, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, I think also what I love about asthma camp is you don't just educate the children, you also educate the family unit. And, and whatever that family unit looks like, be that parents, be that aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends, 
you know, whatever that family unit looks like, that support unit, you're building a support base for these, for these kids, but also you're allowing them to, um, build relationships with other kids who are in the same situation. And I just think that creates, um, just a really important support base for these kids. So, I love it. I think it's wonderful. So I'm glad that you spoke to us today about that. And I really want to highlight that this is not a one person approach. It really is just this team environment that we could not do it just from one individual. It it, it involves so many different people and it's, it's so exciting. That's wonderful. So you have a, uh, have given us so much information today, and I appreciate that more than you know. So um, if you could leave our listeners with a few little um, thoughts or tips, what, what would those things be? Definitely. I realize in the times now that we are struggling, having to stay away and stay home or just um, steer a six feet, you know, distance between people. And I just want to encourage people that we are ensuring that the health of the world is safe through those responsibilities that we have as individuals. And asthma is a chronic condition. It's one that we know will not go away. There's not a specific cure for asthma and it will affect an individual over a lifetime. But the great news is it is controllable. So asthma is controllable and we just need to be able to monitor it through symptoms and understanding our body and our symptoms and the way that we respond. We need to understand our relationship with our healthcare provider is very important. So we have access to medications when we need those medications or access to be able to refill those medications. And we must do our best to protect our children when they are living with asthma. So as they run low on medications or they start with symptoms, we need to be aware that it is a chronic condition and we need to make sure that we get them um, the care that they need. So I really want that to be the key takeaway is asthma is, is a chronic condition and allergies, similar in approach. That's so helpful. Well, I appreciate you being here so much today. Megan, do you have anything that you want to ask or add? Nothing to add. Just Linda, as always, it's been a pleasure. I always love sitting under your teaching and learning from you. So thank you for being here and sharing with both Kelly and I and also with with the community and the listeners. Thank you. I really enjoyed today. Thank you both for asking. Absolutely. Okay, well, to the listener, thank you so much for being here and sharing your time with us. Take good care.